0: Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that? No sensei.
1: Get him a body bag, Johnny! Yeah! (laughs)
2: Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike McMasunis. How's everybody doing today? I am doing great. And this is the first annual STL Christmas episode. And I am so pumped. Just like Halloween, I had a big old Halloween celebration going on. Well, this is the first Christmas for Sweep Delay Podcast. So I am very excited to be reviewing my all-time favorite Christmas movies, which is Gremlins, and it is going to be a super fun episode. I got a lot of good news. I got emails. I got awesome music, and just so you guys know, this is going to be just flat-out Christmasy all over the place, okay? Uh, granted, Gremlins isn't the typical holiday... Uh, Christmas movie, but I'm going to make it as fun and as joyful as possible. So what I'm going to be doing throughout the episode, I'm going to be taking some breaks. So it's going to be a longer episode than you normally used to. Normally it's about an hour. But we're probably going to run a little bit longer than usual on this one just because we're going to have a good time. I'm not coming back on the show until after Christmas to do the year-end episode, so we're going to have a good time. And I'm going to play some awesome Christmas music for you. I promise that it's going to be tunes that you've probably heard before, but it's done in a completely different way. That's going to make it new and original and will hopefully get you bobbing in your head and I'm really really excited uh just to just to get this game and this party rolling. So let's start off the show with good old movie and music news.
3: Alright, you chipmunks, ready to sing the new version of your song? Yeah, we are yeah, let's sing it now. Alright, Simon.
2: alright so this week in movie and music news first thing I want to talk about was the Men in Black 3 trailer so uh, I guess I gotta have to go back to what I said prior I think it was like two weeks ago when I said that Men in Black 3 was coming out but I was pretty sure Tommy Lee Jones was gonna be in the film well evidently I was way off he is definitely in this film now I uh, put on Facebook that I was not a fan of part 2 I did not like it I did not have fun I thought it was pretty terrible film. I loved the first one but I hated part two. But uh, I said after I saw the trailer that as long as it's better than the second one, which shouldn't be a hard stretch, that I would be happy. The trailer actually looked pretty good, pretty promising and I was pretty stoked for it so the good news is Tommy Lee Jones is in it I don't know how long he's in it just because we're dealing with uh, time travel and stuff but the trailer was pretty funny I totally dug it so if you have not yet seen the Men in Black 3 trailer and you like the franchise Men in Black make sure you go search and find the uh, trailer to Men in Black 3 it was really really good so the newest trailer that came out which was just yesterday which uh, of course you know me I would be super pumped for is my boy Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, premiered the G.I. Joe Retaliation trailer. Now G.I. Joe the film got a lot of hate. It was a lot of big disappointment with the first film. It's definitely uh, more people hate the film than people who love the film. I, I like the film more than most people. I get why people didn't like it. But it seems that, especially when you watch the trailer, that they want to right the wrong, so to speak. Now this definitely isn't a reboot because of the fact that you have Channing Channing Tatum back. Uh, the original lead of the first one is back but essentially what they're doing is is they're killing off all of the original Joes and they're kind of starting over with new Joes and we have uh, Channing Tatum which looks to me like he's going to be taking a back seat. It looks pretty much led by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And uh, Bruce Willis uh, makes, uh, at the end of the film, or at the end of the trailer, you see him. But I know he's in the film more than just that one scene. He's in a couple different scenes. And what's really cool is Adrian, um, I, I always... Her name is similar to Patalecki uh, but she essentially uh, was Jess in Supernatural, and she was going to be Wonder Woman. She was in fa- she's in fact in this film, and she had some pretty cool scenes. I really enjoyed the uh, the mountain sword fight scene that looked pretty cool so I'm really excited to see how this movie is going to go it looks to be big action just like the first one but I think the filmmakers realize how much people didn't like the first one and it looks to me like they want to set the right thing the right uh, set the wrongs right so I am pretty excited based on what I saw in the trailer so you can definitely count on me reviewing that film as soon as it comes out next year and probably the biggest news of the week is the. Uh, well, the Dark Knight prologue came out to s- selected IMAX theaters, but they have released the poster which I have posted on the Facebook page and it's a picture where at the top it says the legend ends and you see Bane walking away from the broken mask of Batman so so much speculation I mean nobody's knows exactly what's gonna happen in this film but I think easily in the, in the first part of the film Batman's back is gonna be broken and, and he comes back I mean it could go so many different ways I'm really excited and I like the fact that Christopher Nolan always gives you more questions than he does answers and he's just a brilliant guy so i really enjoyed the poster i thought it was awesome if you haven't seen it just go on the facebook page and uh, facebook.com slash sweep the league podcast check out that picture give me your thoughts but uh, super excited see how this is going to end and not many films are actually able to end you know there's movies that have a sequel that just eventually the movie sucks so they don't get to come out with another one Uh, or there's always an intention to bring out another one but this franchise actually is set to set to end you know it Christopher Nolan essentially you know is making this a trilogy so it's really exciting to know that we get three probably greatest Batman films we'll ever see in modern-day cinema so real excited to see how this goes and it's possible that the Man of Steel might get moved up to December of next year because of The Hobbit. Uh, Peter Jackson may have to take some more time to work on the film so they're thinking about switching the release dates of the hobbit and the man of steel which means that the man of steel will move to december and then the hobbit would move to 2013 and warner brothers is very happy with the film uh, footage that they've seen in fact a lot of the big action scenes Zack schneider is actually finished and sent over to the special effects team to do their stuff so it sounds like Warner Brothers is really excited and if you really want to get people pumped up I think the best thing to do would be attach a trailer to the Dark Knight you know if we could have a Batman and Superman film come on in the same year how cool would that be I think that would be amazing and so awesome alright and I'm gonna call it a wrap for movie news now for music news the only music news I really have is in regards to the next episode the end of the year Um, since normal podcasts when they have let's say an end of the year episode uh, you know they're wrapping up their favorites of that year well since this is a movie and a music podcast I'm going 50 50 with the rules here for since the movies I'm doing my top 10 favorite films that I seen in 2011. So necessarily, it may not have come out in 2011, it may have come out in like 2010 and I'm just now seeing it this year. So since that's not a normal rule with the music, I'm gonna make that the rule that the songs actually had to come out in the year 2011. Not that they were released in 2010 and they became famous in 2011 and they're your favorite. It's the song itself had to be released in 2011. Now, I have a whole lot of honorable mentions of songs that would have hit my top 10 list. However, they came out in 2010. So it was kind of hard to pinpoint my top 10 songs that came out in 2011, but I finally got the list down. So when you email in for the next episode for your favorites of the year for movies go ahead and name your top 10 favorite movies that you've seen this year doesn't matter what year it came out just whatever movie you saw this year that made your top 10 go ahead and send it in but as far as music goes make sure you send in your top 10 favorite songs of 2011 but they had to have come out in 2011. And it, of course, it's, you know, rules are meant to be broken. So if you can't think of any and you just want to send me the songs you listen to, I don't care. That That's fine too. I'm just saying that's how I'm going to be doing it, just so you know. So you can send that to sweepdelaypodcast at yahoo.com. So I'll be excited to hear. I've gotten uh, some emails already from, uh, from John from Philly, from Sebastian on their list already. So go ahead. If you have not read, ever to the show I'd love to hear what kind of uh, music and movies you dug this year that would be awesome so that's what I got guys for movie and music news let's go ahead and uh, take the first break and get into our first Christmas song
0: Gremlins. Billy Pelser has a nice home.
1: Billy, is that you?
2: Yeah, ma, it's me.
0: A nice job. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to. And loving parents <laughs> who are about First, to yeah. give him. You're gonna like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're gonna have to open it now, won't we'll wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift oh. he ever got. What is it? No. It's your new pet. Come on, Bonnie, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? They got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they bake, never never let them eat after midnight because when they do they change they become clever mischievous
1: what's going on
0: here and dangerous little
1: monsters right
3: well, I, I don't know, maybe thousands. They've been here too. Billy, what are these things? Where do they come from? Look, I know it sounds crazy, I know. But in a few hours, you're gonna have a major disaster on your hands.
0: Gremlins. Directed by Joe Dante. They'll be expecting you.
2: Right, now it's time to talk some gremlins and uh, you'll have to excuse me if I say that wrong. You know, being from Chicago, everybody says I have a Chicago accent, which is fine, you know, New York and Brooklyn have their own accents and I guess Chicago people have their own accents, but I've always said gremlins wrong. I always say gremlins or or I just say it too fast so therefore it sounds slurred. So if I do that during the show, I apologize. I don't mean to do it, I'll, I will I kind of have to slow the word down so I can say it correctly. So I am sorry uh, ahead of time in regards to if I say it wrong. And I just want to mention I forgot to say in music news last week. For the Spotlight song, I didn't mention who the artist was, but I wanted to hear what you thought. Uh, I did hear from uh, two people that thought it was good. So the name of the song, uh, as I mentioned, was Remedy, but the name of the band was Disciple. The reason why I said in the episode that it sounded familiar is is actually the band that opened for Skillet when I saw them at the concert. When I saw them at the concert, you know, it was the first time and, you know, they're normally a metal band, but uh, after I heard the song on the radio, I said, that song sounds familiar when I found out who it was, I said, that's the band that opened for Skillet. I said, how cool is that? I actually saw that song live. So, if you totally dug that song, that's who sang it, It was Disciple and the name of the song was Remedy, so I just wanted to get that out. And then also, before I get into the review, um, I think On Tuesdays, what I'm going to start doing on the Facebook page is I'm going to start throwing out some uh, music reviews, music uh, album reviews, and I'm just going to take kind of some old school albums. Uh, I'm going to call it Retro Tuesdays, so to speak, where you know I've got a lot of albums laying around from regular albums to soundtrack albums. So I'm just going to take a regular album. And just listen to it, especially one that I haven't listened to a long time, and see if it stands up today. First one I'm going to start off with is Crisscross, Totally Crossed Out. You know, I love those guys. I thought that they were awesome back then. Jump, it's just, you know, it's a shame, all that stuff. That was some fun times for me. So on the Facebook page, every Tuesday going forward, uh, today I posted a music review and I've been sporadically posting music uh, reviews the basically if I hear a song and I like it I'll pick up an album I don't pick up an album too much I pretty much pick up singles but if I pick up an album then I go ahead and review the whole album on the Facebook page so if uh, I kinda of figured starting Tuesdays I'm just gonna pick an album and just throw it out there and kinda of see if it stands up today you know old-school music all that kind of stuff. You know, let's see how bad the rest of the songs are. Even though the single may have kicked some major butt. I kind of want to see how the rest of the CD holds up. So that's kind of something fun I'm going to be starting doing uh, going forward. So that is what i got to say. So that that was the news that I forgot to mention in the Movie Music News. So let's go ahead and talk about the Sweep Delay podcast Christmas movie. Now, again, uh, if you didn't know already, you're probably like, why are you picking this film? Well you know, I love Christmas movies, you know, it's a wonderful life, and Home Alone, and there's a whole lot of Christmas movies, and you know, especially after Thanksgiving, we get bombarded with tons, and tons, and tons of Christmas movies, but Gremlins always stuck out for me, because, you know, I saw it as a kid, I love Gizmo, Uh, I still adore Gizmo, I have so much Gizmo stuff in my house, you guys would be surprised, I can open up my own Toys R Us with the amount of Gizmo crap that I have. But, you know, the film takes place, um, majority of it takes place on Christmas Eve, and it's just, it's a fun, scary film. It's actually the movie that created the PG 13 film. Because this film was released, a lot of parents got pissed off, and therefore, because of this film, the MPAA reformed its rating system and created the pg-13 release which of course part two has the pg-13 rating so uh, the music is unflippin believable which i'm going to be playing a lot of the music during this review Uh, so jerry goldsmith was the composer of the of the soundtrack um, amazing you know this was exited, uh, executive produced by Steven Spielberg it was a screenplay written by Chris Columbus which uh, you know my first horrible episode of Sweep the Leg was Adventures of Babysitting which was directed by him and if you notice Sarah has a book bag that has Gizmo on it so uh, it's just my overall favorite Christmas film because it's uh, it pays tribute to Christmas but it's so different and so off the wall and so funny and got so many scary parts that and just because I'm twisted it's just my favorite Christmas film like Die Hard for some people you know like my friend Jason you know he loves Die Hard so you know that's his Christmas movie and Gremlins would be my Christmas movie so that's pretty much the story behind why I I picked this is just because of the fact it's so much fun Uh, it's so it's so funny and at the same time, it's so scary. And when I mean scary, obviously I'm not petrified or, or shaking my boots or anything. But, you know, for a little kid, it's definitely scary. You know, the funny thing is, is, you know, my 9-year-old watches this and my 3-year-old watches this. And it's amazing to see how my 3-year-old reacts to this film. Cause, you know, I was about four when I saw it. So I figured, you know, why why not? What the heck? I wanted to watch it. I let my 3-year-old watch. And you know what? She loves and adores Gizmo. And occasionally when the gremlins would get kind of crazy, she would, you know, do her little uh-uh, you know, kind of scared noise. And then the instantly like two minutes later she would start laughing especially during the bar scene she was just dying hysterically so i can de- you know this movie reaches out to all generations it's a, it's just great excellent excellent film so let's let's talk about the overall story and let's talk about the the good stuff the bad stuff you know just the, just the normal Okay, so as I mentioned before, uh this film is it's a horror comedy it came out in 1984. It was directed by Joe Dante, which Joe Dante did American Werewolf in uh in Paris. And you know, originally this was going to be a real scary movie, but because Steven Spielberg got on board and recognized The excellence of this film, he helped tone it down and get the comedy in there. And with having three different people on board, Joe Dante, Steven Spielberg, and Chris Columbus, those three together created this phenomenal film. And essentially, it's a film about a young man who receives a strange creature, which is called a mogwai, which will be Gizmo, as a pet. And it eventually will spawn into these horrible creatures called gremlins, which, of course, created all these B-plus movies, you know, ghoulies and uh, critters, all these uh, small creature films, all originate from this film. Kind of like Halloween, Michael Myers was the creator of the slasher. Gremlins is the creator of all the creature fe- uh, creature fest that we have today. Now, essentially, this would probably be the first black comedy that I ever saw. And, uh, excuse my voice, I'm coming down with something, but, you know, I'm trying to fight it. So, essentially, this is kind of how the story uh, unfolds. Um, searching on Christmas... Uh, While searching for a Christmas present for his teenage son we have inventor Randall Peltzer who is played by Hoyt Axton which I've never seen him in any other movie but he's got a really cool voice. Now he discovers this small furry creature which is called a mogwai in this old antique store in Chinatown. Now the owner of the store refuses to sell the magwai to Randall on the grounds that owning one is too great of a responsibility. But as he's leaving the store, the owner's grandson, because of the fact that you know they're desperate for money, sells Randall the Mogwai. And he before he leaves he instructs him he instructs him on these three different rules which number 1 never expose them to bright light especially sunlight cuz it'll kill them they can never get wet and no matter how much they cry no matter how much they beg never ever ever feed them after midnight you got it yeah kid i got it. and have a merry christmas and then of course we get the good old uh which i'm going to get into the details in regards to these scenes but uh instantly you get the Indiana Jones coloring on a billboard which reminds you of Steven Spielberg which is flipping awesome but uh, it takes you to Christmas song and you're like okay happy go lucky this is a Christmas movie flipping awesome right Eh, wrong here's essentially what happens after that Randall takes the Mogwai and gives it to his teenage son Uh, which is Billy, played by Zach uh, Gallagher, which Zach uh, pretty much fell off the face of the earth when it comes to acting. He's more of a producer now, uh, which is pretty cool. And essentially, Randall gives the Mogwai, because of the fact it's such a crazy name, he gives the nickname of Gizmo. And of course, Gizmo likes the name. And uh, they live in this small town that's called Kingston Falls. So the... What happens is uh, while Billy and Gizmo are getting, getting along and, and he's learning all about Gizmo, uh, Billy's friend comes over and which is played by Corey Feldman. Young Corey Feldman. His name is Pete. He accidentally spills a glass of water on Gizmo which causes him to convulse and scream and actually produces five new Mogwais from his back. Now one of the Mogwais Uh, His dub strike because of this white uh, big hair, you know, big spike hair in the middle. He acts kind of as the leader, but they're very different than Gizmo. They're very hostile. Now, curious to learn more about the Mogwai, what Billy does is he takes Gizmo to his science teacher, Mr. Hansen, which is played by Gen Terman. which this is the only movie I've ever seen this guy in. I'm sure he's been in a lot. And it produces six new Mogwais. And what he does is he leaves one of the mogwais, one of the new ones, with Mr. Hansen, And he can essentially conduct some tests because he's a science teacher, you know. So Billy returns home and the other five mogwais uh, essentially trick Billy into feeding them after midnight. Because what they do is they bite the cord of his alarm clock. So in the morning, Billy wakes up, discovers that the mongwais turn into cocoons. Gizmo, luckily, he refused to take the food earlier. He obviously remains unchanged because Gizmo, Gizmo's a pimp, man. Gizmo is smart. He knows what these guys are up to. But Gizmo can only say so much things. Gizmo basically has the mind of an adult, but he can only speak like a little tiny kid, if that makes any sense. But that's essentially... The nutshell of gizmo now what happens is is uh the sixth mogwai had gotten a hold of mr Hansen's sandwich also after midnight and of course he turns into a cocoon just like the other guys did now during um a couple scenes later it starts to hatch breaks out of the cage and it starts to hide in this dark corner of the room so mr Hansen he tries to reason and bribe the the Mogwai to come out with the candy bar. You know, because he's thinking it's this cute, cuddly little thing. Well, what happens? The Mogwai decides to eat his hand. And, of course, kills him. And, of course, they're not a Mogwai anymore. They've now officially turned into gremlins. So, Billy arrives and finds that the Mogwai has turned into this monster. And he actually succeeds in killing it with some supplies from the nurse's office. But he knows that his mom's at home with the other dudes. You know, the other Mogwais. So, each of those guys are hatching and, you know, they they kind of torture Gizmo a little bit, put him up on a dartboard, throw some darts at him and luckily they throw Gizmo down um, a laundry chute. So, Gizmo's okay. But, uh, of course, we get the real creepy... Uh, well, it's creepy now but it's, a, it's the Christmas song of Do You Hear What I Hear? Which... Freaks me out, kind of like Mr. Sandman does when I watch Halloween. When I hear that Christmas song, I freak out and think there's gremlins in my house, okay? So the mom will eventually take out the gremlins. She takes out three of them because she's like flipping super mom, man. She don't want nobody in her kitchen messing up her stuff. She don't care how scared she is. She takes them out and uh, essentially Stripe is the only one that's left. And he actually escapes. He jumps into a pool, and jumping into a pool causes hundreds and hundreds and maybe even thousands of new and crazy gremlins. Now, Billy does actually have a girlfriend. Uh, She's played by the uh, the ever so lovely Phoebe Cates, which uh, you guys that love fast. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High are gonna know her. You know she's the one that comes out of the swimming pool with the bathing suit. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. She is uh, Billy's girlfriend. So Billy and Gizmo actually rescue Kate. Uh, She works at a bar, which the Gremlins are all about partying. So they actually great, great scene. Uh, They play this song called uh, Mega Madness, which is really cool, really awesome montage. So after uh, Billy shows up, rescues uh, Kate. What they do is they end up discovering that the the gremlins have temporarily stopped their rampage. And they've collected themselves in this local movie theater to watch, Snow White, which is pretty funny. And the three of them set off an explosion that will kill all the gremlins and destroy the theater. But, of course, there's one that remains, which, of course, is Stripe. So Billy follows Stripe into this department store nearby, Uh, Stripe leaps into, you know, there's couple scenes where Billy and Stripe go at it and stuff but essentially Stripe is going to find this water fountain he wants to multiply again before he can multiply Gizmo comes to the rescue and he opens this set of window blinds which causes sunlight to pour in on the store which kills Stripe he melts it's flipping amazing and as the uh, rest of the Peltzers, because at this point now Randall has showed up to find to actually see Stripe melting and um, they go home after the rampage and the antique store owner, of the in the beginning, arrives to claim Gizmo, claiming that the world's not ready yet for the responsibility that comes with caring for Gizmo, or a mogwai for that matter, and Billy may someday be ready to properly care for Gizmo, and we get the movie ending with the flippin' awesome song called The Gremlin's Rag. So that is the overall story of this film. Now, all right. Now, before I go ahead and get into all the things that I like and love about this film, which I have plenty of notes and things that I don't like. Let's take another break. Let's put on a new Christmas song. And uh now, this Christmas song you've heard before. There's a lot of different renditions of it, but you've never heard a hip-hop version. Of this song so just bear with the first you know couple of seconds you know it's gonna sound like the typical normal version but then stick around and uh, you know it's about like 40 seconds in it's gonna start getting funky and uh, dig this song so check this baby out
3: Come, they told me, pa, 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 pa. Newborn King to see Paw Our finest gifts we bring Paw Rumpa To lay before the King.
2: I hope you enjoyed that and uh, I'm sure you guys have heard Little Drummer Boy before but like I said it's a different version it's like a, a hip hop version so as I told you before I wanted to play some stuff that you hadn't heard before I mean you may have heard the song before but I wanted to give you a different flavor and, and just make it fun so uh, let's go ahead and get into what I definitely like about the film and uh, and there's a lot like i said i i have a crap load of notes here so right from the beginning um when randall goes into the antique store in chinatown and uh is talking to um uh key luke which key luke is the one uh mr wing he's the owner of the shop which uh as I mentioned in the Turtles podcast, Ernie Reeves Jr. was in a TV show. Well, he happened to be in a TV show with Key Luke. That was his master, which was really good to see him again. But when he's trying to sell in the bathroom uh, buddy, I really like this particular scene where he's talking about you're on a plane and you got a bad case of dragon breath. And then all of a sudden you hear this symbol uh, hit each other and immediately it's let you know that this is a film that's not taking itself seriously I mean granted he looks behind him to say you know was that somebody that did that but you and I know that this is a film that's trying to be fun and I really dig that scene I thought it was real good it sets the mood off great um, now, when he's trying to buy Gizmo and he puts $100 down, the kid looks shocked. Like, wow, that's a lot of money. And they says $200. That's $200. Now, you know, $200 goes a long ways. I mean, think about it. You can buy an iPod with $200. Uh, you can buy so many DVDs. You can buy Blu-rays. I mean, think about it. Go to McDonald's. How much McDonald's can you get off 200 bucks? You see where I'm going with this. I mean, granted, it matters what you get off the menu. But $200 is a lot of money, and especially in 1984, $200 was a lot. So I really dig the scene uh, of the kid's expression when he sees the $200. Really good, really good stuff. Now, this next part about the rules. Now, I'm not going to say it's a problem because of the fact the sequel fixes it for me. Now, the first two rules make sense. You know, don't let them get into sunlight because it could kill them. Don't let them get wet. But it's the... Never let him eat after midnight. Now, you know, when I talk with Jason and Dan, you know, they're two hours before me. So they always joke around and say, hey, you're two hours into the future. When I talk to Andrew who lives in New York, he's one hour ahead of me. So, you know, the time zone thing is a huge problem. Uh, But the sequel makes up for that because they actually call that rule out how stupid it is, and they do some real funny jokes around it. Now, does it ruin the film? No, it doesn't ruin the film. I mean, kids get this rule. Makes sense. If you really want to make a problem out of it and nitpick, it's really going to ruin the film for you. I don't have a problem with it, but I can see how kind of dumb the rule is. But again, the sequel fixes it for me, so I can move on from that. Again, it doesn't drag the film down. I'm cool with it. The next thing I like is I mentioned Earlier is the Indiana Jones writing. You know, when they're uh, introducing the um, Kingston Falls and they show you the logo. And let me just say, I'm a sucker for logos. If logos look cool, it really helps sell the product to me. You know, if a logo looks crappy, I'm not going to be as interested but I love the way the Gremlins logo looks. So cool. And you know, you got some really cool Christmas music going so you're like, oh this is a great Christmas movie. We're having some good times and they show a billboard of the DJ and it's the same writing as Indiana Jones and uh, of course, you know, Steven Spielberg being on there, it makes perfect sense. So I really dig the Indiana Jones writing. It was some good stuff now for you people that are big back to the future fans which you know i'm a back to the future fan you know i recorded the whole series but uh this is uh, a universal studios film so this was filmed on a universal studio lot And when Billy is on his way to work, to the bank, you can see the theater, which is the same theater shot in Back to the Future. And it's the exact same place that the clock tower is. So you can just watch that whole entire, um, the streets on there. And I flippin' love the fact that you can call it out. Now of course if you're not looking for it you're not going to see it so no big deal but they do show that scene quite a bit especially the movie theater you know that's where the gremlins actually show up later on so really good stuff. Now um, I really like the BK logo as he's walking down the street they show you Burger King and it's the old school logo that they used to have. really reminiscent good times. It brings me back to the 80s I'll tell you. Because I remember that logo was pretty cool. Taco Bell I noticed uh, some stores have the old logo but you know the majority of of logos McDonald's especially has stayed the same but Burger King has changed it so it was pretty cool seeing that. Now let's talk about Mrs. Deagle Uh, Mrs. Deagle man we're talking about a witch witch from hell here man and she is played beautifully. I mean, beautifully. Um, the actress that plays her is uh, Polly Holiday. Uh, real famous actress. She does a great job. And the funny thing is, throughout the whole movie, she's such a jerk to everybody, but when she's by herself, because uh, her husband is dead, you get that vibe, especially when she's by herself. Uh, when she's with her cats, she's so loving and adoring, talking to them like they're little tiny children, but she hates children for real. Um, there's actually a subplot which is actually cut out. If you have the special edition version of this film, the subplot is that Mrs. Deagle is essentially trying to foreclose, have the bank foreclose because she's like part owner of, of the bank, foreclose on all of the homes, um, certain homes, so that way. Um, it can be bought out and have this certain company move in and uh, I'm kind of glad they cut that out but essentially that's her plan is to have um houses foreclosed on and things like that but uh what's there's a mom that she talks to with her little kids and say mommy i'm hungry she says yes i am too because she's kind of pleading with mrs deagle to give her more time she's actually in the sequel when the gremlins are in the theater taking over the projection booth she makes a appearance again which you know if you're not looking for it you're gonna miss it but it's really cool now let's talk about barney barney is um is the dog of Billy. Really cool dog. And if you have the comic book, which I have the comic book, in the comic book, they actually show you the scene, which I suppose was filmed, but never actually shown, is um, the scene where you see Barney outside... And he is he is like wrapped up in lights and stuff like that. They actually show the magwise that are laying in the in their little bed. They got up, they called Barney outside and each one jumped on top of him and hung him up and then snuck inside back in their bed before Billy woke up. So They actually show you in the comic book how they went down and if you read the book they talk about that in the book as well so it's kind of sad you don't see it but this film is edited very nicely. It's very fast paced so uh, the additional scenes that are on the DVD which this is not an additional scene everything makes sense for the scenes that were cut out but uh barney's really cool you can pretty much tell he's a very trained well you know he's a very good trained dog and uh he doesn't look at the camera he looks pretty um pretty normal in in the scenes that he has now uh judge reinhold is essentially like the supervisor over billy and his name is gerald and um his uh, he likes to be called he doesn't like to be called Jerry he likes to be called Gerald but he had a bigger part especially in the deleted scenes but he plays the big douchebag and stuff in the film I love Judge Reinhold especially from the Beverly Hills Cop series he's excellent good time super funny guy I always have a good time with him but he's kind of as I said he's a douchebag in this film so uh, his part's kind of minimal but he's definitely a pain in the side of Billy so uh, I really really dug the scenes that he was in he did a very good job he definitely didn't phone it in um good good stuff from judge reinhold now one thing i thought was kind of funny is uh when billy is first getting gizmo cuz gizmo is wrapped up in um he's wrapped up in his box with gift wrapping over it and stuff one thing i always thought as a kid is does gizmo not need any air Uh, They don't tell you how long he's wrapped up in the box, but considering the fact he's wrapped up, uh, he's in a box, and then he has wrapping paper over him, it's just kind of funny. Um, I don't know if the filmmakers didn't think about that, but I'm assuming mogwais, are obviously different creatures than most people, so they probably can take air in and stuff. They don't get into it, but it was just something I noticed, especially as a kid. I always said, does Gizmo not really need air as much as normal human beings do? So, uh, again, if you're not really trying to nitpick, you're not going to notice that. But, again, I'm kind of nitpicking because that's kind of my job. But does it hurt the film? Not at all. It's just something that I noticed. Now, when I was talking about Barney, I really love the scenes between Barney and Gizmo. You know, when Gizmo first comes out of his box and he's super, super cute, Barney does his uh, smelling of Gizmo and when Gizmo sings and he's in the room, I love the way he looks at Gizmo and it interacts with them. and, I mean, Barney easily... Could have eaten them, but uh, they have really good chemistry together. I really dig Barney and Gizmo scenes. Uh, really, really good stuff. Because you know animals can feel replaced, but Barney does a good job of, uh, of, you know the filmmakers do a really good job of balancing Gizmo and uh, and Barney. Now Gizmo, I haven't talked about Gizmo, but Gizmo is utterly adorable. Here's the thing with Gizmo. Now Gizmo looks super super cute. Uh, up close because uh, when they put it up close to his face his face definitely looks different than when they're doing a a long shot scene of Gizmo and now this is all like animatronics, puppetry so I, I can definitely say I don't know if I could go for a CGI remake. I really think everything's effective. Gizmo's effective. The gremlins are effective, just as the way they are. Um, I really think, you know, Gizmo is super cute and he's more adorable and more cute in the second one. Originally, they weren't going to have Gizmo um, the way he is. He was supposed to be a real, you know, crazy character But Steven Spielberg. It was his idea to make Gizmo the way he is. So, super... Big thumbs up to you Steven Spielberg because of you kids love and adore this film and Gizmo of course if you don't know is voiced by Howie Mandel which Howie Mandel does excellent job and you know his persona is just to talk like a little kid funny enough um, if you didn't know um, some of the other vocal performances from uh the other gremlins would be uh Michael Winslow from the Police Academy Fame. Most importantly Peter Cullen, which if you live under a rock and you don't know who Peter Cullen is, that would be Optimus Prime. He's the voice of, of the majority of the flipping gremlins, which I thought was so flipping awesome. Now um when Gizmo, you know, was first introduced and uh and they're going through um you know, they show Gizmo's face and he lights up. He goes, you know, I call him Gizmo. He seems like and he's got the cute little face and they do the picture. I always say Gizmo's a jumper because, man, he immediately jumped from Billy over to Randall's lap in like a half a second, man. Gizmo is one flipping great jump, uh, jumper, I got to say. And like I said, the close-ups of Gizmo are so adorable, so cute. Uh, the faraway shots, he looks good. But he's not nearly as cute as he is on the up-close. Which, of course, the up-close, they don't have to show his body. They can just focus on his face so they can have more puppetry and stuff like that. But just makes Gizmo more real on all the close-ups of his face. Um, again, Gizmo, I give him a 20 out of 10 in regards to the cuteness adorability um he is just a dream come true i would just love to actually have a real gizmo that would be the greatest pet on the face of the planet uh, minus you know the actual rules and if he actually came out with gremlins out of him and stuff like that but super super cute so um i love when he talks uh gizmo has simple words you know like um for example he's reading a comic book billy says pretty neat huh Neat. Uh, you know, uh <laughs> pretty just stuff like that. He just says one lines, but they're very cool just by the way he comes across by saying it. Um one thing when Cory Feldman tells him that he's cute, Gizmo rolls his eyes. Which I thought was really, really funny, uh really cool. And he when Gizmo's happy, he purrs like a cat which is pretty cool and I never really noticed it too much especially as a kid but watching for this film that's one big thing I noticed is gizmo purrs a lot and is not a problem with that whatsoever but it's just funny to hear gizmo purr it's some good stuff now um, another good thing that I like is I love gizmo's face uh when stripe pukes uh, when the Imaguays are first, you know they come out of Gizmo, and you know there's five of them, and immediately you know that they're different because they—they're all a click, and uh, when Corey Feldman tries to touch them. Spike tries to bite his finger off but Gizmo's sitting next to the tree next to Barney because you know dogs they know evil so of course Barney sits next to Gizmo because they're buds at this point but Gizmo he is playing like a little mini drum set and he's got like a little horn and the other guys are playing you remember the little miniature arcades that you would just use one hand for brings me back to the 80s but the Mogwais are playing that and Stripe pukes. And Gizmo just stops playing, he drops his mouth, looks down, and looks up. And I flippin' just love the way he looks. It is absolutely hysterical. And during that scene, one if you look in the background, one of the mogwais is actually beating up another mogwai. He's hitting him over the head with like a little toy, which is, of course, to show you how different they are from Gizmo. Now, um, I mentioned before about Barney being outside. Uh, if you read the comic books, you can totally do that. Uh, one thing they – kind of a funny inside joke – is the inventions of Randall? Uh, his inventions never work. You know, essentially this guy he goes around town trying to sell things. He goes to conventions, but essentially the guy uh, he's a nice guy. He's got some good ideas, but his execution sucks. So his inventions never work. So you know the bathroom buddy doesn't work. Um, Billy tries to use his orange. Juice machine, it explodes all over. So it's just a running gag throughout the film that his inventions don't work. Now, one character I didn't talk about was Mr. Futterman. Now, uh, if you're familiar with the sequel, Mr. Futterman is in part two. And, you know, watching it for the podcast, I have to say, Mr. Futterman is kind of a jerk. Um, every line he talks about foreign people. So he's. You know, I don't want to say he's racist, so to speak. You know, I, his his motto is probably like, of course I'm racist. I hate everybody equally. But Mr. Futterman is, he has a problem, you know, he's from World War II. He has a problem with foreign machinery. It all has to be made in America. But every time he talks, he's always got a crack on, oh, it's foreign this and foreign that, foreign this and foreign that. Gets kind of tiresome in the first one. Luckily in part two, they fixed that problem. He doesn't talk about being foreign, uh, you know, being around foreign people products and stuff. He's very likable in part two. He's a big hero in part two. I love the Mr. Futterman of part two. Not a big fan of Mr. Futterman in the first one. But evidently the fans liked him enough that they want that they brought him back for the sequel, which I don't have a problem with. So um now let's talk about when uh Billy and Kate are walking home and it's snowing and they actually talk about the statistics of Christmas. That Christmas has the biggest suicide rate. Um, that's just how it is for the holidays. Which I, unfortunately, is such a true statement. I think it's actually worse today than it is um, back then. And if anything, it's been replaced with uh, with robberies. You know, people breaking into other people's houses, still TVs and Playstations, and so on and so forth that's kind of taken the place of the whole suicide thing but there's still a lot of suicide but if if it's not the same as it was in the 80s it's pretty much been replaced with theft which is an unfortunate thing but you know that that's just how life is basically come out to be nowadays. Uh, now, when uh, before the Gremlins eat after midnight, the Mogwais, Gizmo's looking at a comic book. Uh, it's 3D, so he's got one hand holding the comic, the other hand holding the glasses, and Billy leans over to him and says, pretty fun, huh? And Gizmo goes, fun. And he goes, pretty neat, huh? Neat. I really love just those two simple sentences are Gizmo in a nutshell. He is just cute, cuddly, adorable and simple um when the guys uh, want to eat chicken which at this point they have eaten they cut through the clock wire and uh i really like gizmo's face when they're all eating chicken and he's like Ugh, you know his disgusted look on his face and somehow i think i knew somehow i have a feeling gizmo knew what the other mogwais did which is why he didn't want to have any chicken Gizmo doesn't strike me as a mogwai that would turn down food, but I really think he knew what was up, but obviously he can't tell Billy that because, you know, his vocabulary is that of a three-year-old, essentially. Okay, now, uh, one way you can tell Billy is obviously not very attentive is when, you know, they're asking for chicken, the clock is stuck at 11.40, he looks over. When they go to the science teacher, if you look at the clock, you can clearly see it says 2.20 a.m. It's like, Billy, seriously, how did you not look at the clock between 11.40 and 2.20 and not realize the clock was broke? But again, this is a movie. Things have to go into play. It's just something that I noticed that it's a big difference between 11.40 and 2.20. Uh you know, it's for those people with multiple viewings of this film can notice stuff like that. Um, when the grem- when the Mogwais eat, they turn into cocoons. I really like when Gizmo's looking over the bed, all scared, and goes, uh-oh, really good, love it. Uh, and at this point, we've officially hit Christmas Eve once the gremlins have gone into cocoons. So the rest of the film takes place on Christmas Eve, and uh when gizmo's having the darts thrown at him which they do a lot of this in part 2 always freaked me out as a kid. In fact, I think one of the gremlins actually hit Gizmo because he's bleeding from his chest. Uh, always hated that as a kid. You know, my three-year-old was actually crying at that scene. And I think it's meant to, you know, you love Gizmo at this point. You don't want to see any harm done to him. But it's this—it's to give you the presence of how bad these guys really are, which they're obviously pretty bad. Now, the famous line that these guys like to say is, Gizmo Kaka. Which, it's funny as a kid, I laughed hysterically, but the gremlins are pretty flippin' smart. Uh, They have a bigger vocabulary than Gizmo does. Uh, They do horrible, evil things, which I'll obviously get into in just a little bit here. But that's the one thing, whenever, especially Stripe, he sees Gizmo, he always says Gizmo caca. Thought it was funny, good stuff. Now, when they're playing... uh, when the mom realizes they've hatched and hears noises and that song comes on, do you hear what I hear? It's a perfect song for the scene. It's a Christmas song, but it twisted it around, just like Halloween, Mr. Sandman. It's just a it's supposed to be a simple, good song, but yet when I hear it now I'm creeped out by Michael Myers, it's the same thing. With this song. Whenever I hear, do you hear what I hear, I instantly think of, there's gremlins in my kitchen. So, uh, good effectiveness, definitely there. Uh, now, if you notice, because, again, Steven Spielberg is the executive producer, when Stripe, which you assume is Stripe based on the voice, he cuts the phone line. He says, phone home, kaka, Which... Obviously, supposed to represent E.T., you know, phone home E.T., real good stuff. I love the fact that the mom, not whipping out, she takes out not one, not two, but three other gremlins in her kitchen. She takes one out with the flip blender, she takes another one out with the knife, and the best one of all, she takes one out with the microwave. How awesome is that to explode a gremlin in your microwave now uh, when she goes to check out uh, the noise in the living room next to the tree you can actually see uh, the the red looks like demon eyes which essentially is another gremlin which Billy comes into the rescue knocks it into the fire and that's when we're left with Stripe who blows his nose and escapes and uh, then of course goes to M, M-, y- uh, <laughs> M- uh, why can't I say that word YMCA, thank you. Hello, village people. YMCA, okay. Now, when Stripe goes to jump into the water, I love Gizmo's scream that he does when he jumps into the water. It's just the big shock and awe factor of, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. Again, the puppetry is amazing in this film. Uh, Now, I like the fact of um, you'll hear the crazy one in the YMC and what I mean by that is if you are familiar with part two of the real crazy goofy eyed Mogwai that they take home, which Kate thinks is Gizmo. Um, that laugh that he does, the real crazy obnoxious laugh, you can actually hear that laugh when the when stripe jumps into the water and the gremlins are now being created and multiplying you 'll actually hear that laugh, so obviously they use that laugh for the sequel, which was pretty cool now here 's probably uh one of the few problems I have with the film. This is the really only one of the there's one of the very few bad scenes is when get, when Stripe comes up and he's walking down the street and you see hundreds of gremlins walking down. It's a bad miniature scene. I mean, back in the 80s, it probably looked awesome, but nowadays, that scene does not hold up well. At this point, from the beginning to this point, everything has held up very well in 2011. I'm digging it. I mean, of course, the technology, you can totally tell, is different, but uh scene wise filmmaking wise everything is held up to this point but the miniatures do not look good this the background is pretty pretty brittle not does not look good whatsoever but uh it doesn't ruin the movie for me but it's just it's kind of a bad scene for me to watch Now when the gremlins uh, attack Mr. Futterman, you know, they get in their snowplow and break through and they play the funny music. I love their faces, how they're laughing, which they're being evil because they're about ready to kill some people. But it's just to let you know that you're supposed to have a good time. It's a black comedy but uh, it's just – its you feel wrong for laughing at this scene, but you're going to feel wrong laughing at a lot of different scenes, especially in the Gremlins franchise. But I just love their faces when they're attacking Mr. Futterman. It's in good times. Now, um, probably one of my favorite scenes is when the Gremlins take out Mrs. Deagle. Uh, Spike looks – of course, gremlins can read he looks and sees uh, the estate and says Deagle 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 real funny of course I can't do the voice like him but it's super funny I love it and when Mrs. Deagle hears them singing and they're pretending to be Christmas carolers. I just love the fact that they're singing "Yeah, yeah, yeah," which essentially is the one of the many theme songs of Jerry Goldsmith throughout the film. Which obviously, if throughout the review you've been hearing me play music from the Gremlins uh, soundtrack, that uh, the song they're singing is one of the main themes of the Gremlins. Which I just love that scene. It's hysterical, and of course, the Mrs. Deagle goes out the window. You're kind of laughing and you feel very wrong for laughing because the gremlins just killed the lady. But the way that it's done and shot and the music immediately makes you laugh. And you're not supposed to but again it's flipping funny. I'm laughing and I know I shouldn't. So uh, now let's talk about another scene when uh you know Billy knows how crazy it's getting and he, there's uh there's a thing throughout the film where his car has a hard problem starting so he actually gets in his Volkswagen and just he's hoping and praying that it starts and when it does start Gizmo says "vroom vroom" which again it's childish but the way it's done is super cute and super funny now the bar scene hands down is my favorite part of this film absolutely hilarious and of course we get the excellent song which is called uh mega madness and mega madness if you didn't know is actually sung by michael Simbello. and for all of you guys that did not download the monster squad hint hint uh he does the montage song rock until you drop in the monster squad and he does the song called Mega Madness and this scene is a very good montage it's showing you how they're partying one one gremlin actually pulls out his boogers uh you know, they're playing cards and stripe shoots a guy and one guy's a cross dresser one guy break dances one guy's actually dressed up like flash dance. Real, There's so much going on in this scene that you can instantly watch this movie over and over and find something new that you didn't see before, which I always like that in the film. So after that fun scene, uh, essentially it gets serious. Kate tries to escape and uh, they go into the bank where Kate and Billy work and this is the part of the film which is a love-hate relationship this is essentially Kate has throughout the film expressed that she hates Christmas so Kate uh, explains to Billy why she hates Christmas where she explains how her father dressed up as Santa Claus went down the chimney essentially broke his neck And uh, it takes about five minutes. I don't think the scene sucks. I don't think it slows it down. In fact, I think you kind of needed it just to slow the mood down after the big montage we just had. Because you you need to know what's up with Kate, why she doesn't like Christmas. But for the fans that hated this scene in Part 2, they do an excellent parody of this. Now, Part 2 is a whole different film than this one. This one is a black comedy Part 2 is more funny and made more for kids than this film is. This is definitely an adult comedy. But Part 2 is very lighthearted and takes a lot of the darkness of this film, kind of like Turtles 2. Turtles 2 took the darkness scenes of Part 1, made it more lighter and more family-friendly, and does the exact same thing in the sequel, which I do love Gremlins 2. One of my favorite sequels of all time. So after, uh, you know... Kate's giving her speech. I love Gizmo's face when he's just like ah, you know, it, it's simple but effective. Uh now One of the fan favorite scenes is probably when the gremlins are watching Snow White which of course the hi-ho scene is absolutely hilarious and you see some of the guys dressed with Mickey Mouse ears. But one of the guys next to Stripe is always saying Milk Duds which I never knew what he was saying until recently within the past couple years. I was like, oh, that's what he says. He says Milk Duds. Uh, But of course when they sing hi-ho... I love it. It's some good stuff. And the best part is when Gizmo is actually singing along and says, hi-ho, hi-ho. Now when uh, Billy and uh, Kate, they're going to go blow up the theater. I like when they're about ready to go down to the basement to blow it up. Gizmo sees, you know, what he thinks is Bambi. It's essentially a deer and he says, Bambi. I thought that was real funny. Now, when the theater actually blows up and you see a majority of the gremlins on fire, I like when Gizmo looks over to the candy store, which Stripe has left the theater to go get candy. Uh, he looks over and says, oh, look. And that's when Billy and Kate look and see that you know Stripe is in fact alive. And uh, when he essentially goes off to a toy store... And this is a good scene. Billy breaks in to go look for Stripe. Well, it's not a toy store. It's more like a mall kind of thing. But Stripe is actually hanging out in a toy section. Uh, when Billy goes down the aisles, there's a bunch of stuffed animals. What I like is you see the Smurfs, which the Smurfs are big. Are big today, obviously, with the film that just came out. But Smurfs, kind of like Turtles, made a big comeback. You see, actually, Bugs Bunny. And most of all, you see E.T., which of course is another nod to Steven Spielberg, and of course the Back to the Future, you know, lot. Universal, You know, he helped executive produce Back to the Future. So Steven Spielberg definitely has his fingerprints all over this film. So I really like that when you see Stripe do that. Um, Now, another cool thing is the fight between Billy and Stripe. You know, everything between saying Billy and all the TVs and and Billy breaks the TV. Uh, I like the the chainsaw and Billy has a bat. Um, There's probably one bad, this is the second worst scene in regards to the way the look is. The first one was the miniatures of Stripe and all of the other guys walking down the street. This is where Gizmo uh, essentially escapes from Kate because Kate's trying to turn on all the lights. Gizmo's going to go try to rescue Billy. And when Gizmo is crawling, he looks horrible. I don't like the way he looks. It was really, really bad. It's the it's the one and only time Gizmo looks horrible in this film. I don't like the way he crawls. Um, other than that, you know, it doesn't last very long. So here is probably the, out of all the crap that's happened in this film, here's my only, here's my only scene that I have a problem with, which I know this sounds ridiculous and stupid, but hear me out. The scene that has always bothered me, but is so cool is the scene where Gizmo takes the bar the barbie car and he says vroom vroom and he flipping is driving around the barbie car around you know around the place okay here's the thing there ain't no toy car that ever did that that I know of and if there was man it had to have been expensive I mean I get if it was radio control but the only way it worked is if Gizmo actually had the controls in his hand that he was using to steer the car and stuff now if someone can explain it to me feel free I'd love to hear it you're just supposed to go with the scene I mean you're this far into the film you gotta have a climactic scene I just kind of thought it was always dumb to see Gizmo in a Barbie car driving around now Again, it looks cool. What I mean by dumb is it's dumb with the fact of he's driving a toy car that... You cannot do. It's impossible. There's no toy car. the The coolest car around that time was the Kenner talking kit, where you pull the license plate down, a kit would talk to you, but it would be a tape recorder inside, so well a record inside, so it would only last a couple times and then it would eventually wear out. There's no car that somebody could get in, like a little toy could get into, and actually drive himself around. But That's really my huge problem with the film, but again, it looks cool, the music's good, it's building up, Gizmo does look funny, he actually runs into Barney, and uh, and so, again, not really a big deal, but that's the only scene that really bothered me. Uh, they have a scene where Stripe looks over and he sees water and he says, water, and he looks over and sees gun. Um, I, I just like the voice work there and the way his face look, looks good. Um, I like when Gizmo, when he's driving the Barbie car, runs in the Barney and tells him to watch out because he hits his foot really funny. And uh and yeah, uh the ending is really good and when we finally get to the uh you know, the house when they're seeing all the wreckage and stuff like that. Gizmo looks pretty cute, uh sitting there with the little thermometer in his mouth. But uh when uh his owner shows up, Key Luke, uh you hear you hear Gizmo say Papa, which is really cool, and when the money hits the couch you hear Gizmo say moolah But I think the most touching scene, which, you know, I don't cry from, but I definitely get all warm and fuzzy inside is when he has something to say to you and you get the real sentimental music playing. He opens the box, Gizmo comes out and says, bye, Billy. Uh, and Billy almost wants to cry. As a kid, I always thought, "Man, this sucks." He doesn't get to have Gizmo. But as an adult, it makes perfect sense why he took him away. But I, I just love that scene. Uh, it's kind of almost like a sad ending, especially for a kid, that you don't get. Uh, you don't get Gizmo in there. But you know what can you do? And then when the uh, when the credits roll, and I saw in the. Uh, the voice work and I saw Peter Colin I was like Optimus Prime that is so cool I'm so excited so yeah guys that is pretty much it my review uh, of Gremlins but there's just a couple things I just wanted to say really quick before I go into my overall star rating of the film um I would definitely say... Well, actually, I'll go into my star rating and then I'll go into uh, what I wanted to say. Uh, I would definitely give this film, fun factor-wise, I had a blast. And my only problems with the film would... I would say critically, would just be the last rule, which is the after midnight, but again, uh, it's taken care of in the sequel and they make fun of it, so they definitely recognize how stupid the rule is. And the two scenes with uh, the miniatures don't look good in regards to when they're walking around and then when Gizmo is crawling. Those are really the only three, the rule and the two scenes don't really look too good fun factor wise I would say you know five stars but critically speaking look at the film how does it stand up in 2011 I would definitely say I could watch this film at any time. This is a film that anybody can watch and have a good time. Uh, a very, very strong four and a half. No doubt about it. I love it. It's adorable. It's cute. It's scary. Lots of dark humor. Lots of call-outs. It definitely takes you back to the 80s. So a very, very strong four and a half. Is this the ideal Christmas film? Of course not. You know, you have It's a Wonderful Life. You know, you could even go to Home Alone. I mean, Home Alone, probably more family-oriented than this one. But, uh, you know, Charlie Brown's Christmas Carol, so many good outside that of this movie in regards to christmas themed movies so many good ones but overall this is a very good uh anytime you know it doesn't have to be christmas you can watch this at any time and have a blast so that would be my rating now one thing i want to say is uh when it comes to gremlins You know, uh, one of the running gags that uh, Mr. Futterman says is that, you know, they took out the machines in World War II and that they're in anything. So just remember that when you're at home all alone and all of a sudden you're watching TV and the TV goes out um, or the lights start flickering or, you know, your stove goes out, your refrigerator clunks out, uh, your iPod dies, just remember... Uh, to look under, you know, look in all the closets, look under all the beds, because you never can tell. There just might be a gremlin in your house. Okay, I know that last part was kind of cheesy, but I have to admit, I've always wanted to do that. I always do that line, especially when I hear that song. That's my favorite song from the soundtrack, hands down. Uh, Really good. I love it. It's excellent. So uh, before we go ahead and get into emails, let's go ahead and get into our final Christmas song of the night. Uh, This is probably my favorite that I have played thus far, and uh, it's definitely, you know, really starts off its Christmas tune, this is the get up and dance song, grab your kids, grab your wife, you know, start dancing, this is a feel good, happy Christmas song, Uh, it's probably my all time favorite Christmas song, and it's a song that you guys have probably never ever heard, I love it, it's called Christmas this year, enjoy it.
3: Off in the sunset, I sweep the snow from my doorstep. I just can't help but stop and grin. It's like I'm ten years old again, and everywhere I go, I can feel it. Some say it moves like a spirit. It falls on us once a year, like it came on at midnight clear. The soul of this season is a gift. When love came down to last let's open up and let our hearts embrace this moment for Christmas. before the sunrise, I sneak downstairs to sparkling eyes, and oh what joy it brings
2: Alright, so I hope you enjoyed. Uh, That's going to be the end of uh, our Christmas songs. So hopefully, you know, the Christmas songs were cool. Hopefully you dug them. Uh, You know, as I said, this is a uh, Christmas-filled episode. Got to get the Christmas spirit going around. So uh, I enjoyed trying to find them. Uh, I've been listening a lot to these songs. It's been some good times. Uh, Definitely playing them around the house. The kids love them. So hopefully... You did too. So let's go ahead and get into what the STL Nation had to say. All right, so our first emailer comes from John from Philly and he says, Hello sir and STL Nation. This movie started my like for what some people call horror comedies. I'm not a big horror fan, but I love me some gremlins. Uh, Gremlins, sorry, there's my accent again. Some of my favorite scenes, the blender and the gremlin, was just awesome. All the gremlins watching Snow White had me cracking up as a kid and still to this day. Also, it was 80s, so of course Corey Thelman was in the movie. Overall, I give this four gizmos and always better if you watch it during the Christmas year. John from Philly. So, thank you, sir. I appreciate your uh, your email there, sir. Good times. Always fun to hear from you, sir. Okay. And uh, we didn't get any from Sebastian or John the Mailman, um, you know, I got a lot of uh, emails from Sebastian in regards to the music stuff but uh, didn't get any for Gremlins and uh, John the Mailman had a bad week so he wasn't able to write in so our final email comes from our epic emailer Anthony from Hillmore, California and uh, he attached this awesome picture uh, in this email it's absolutely hilarious so I'm going to upload it on the Facebook page uh, tomorrow for you guys to see and Anthony, I gotta ask you sir you know, you email in all the time, but I don't think you're on the Facebook page, sir. Uh, I looked and I don't see any Anthonys that are fans of the of the page. So I was just curious, sir, if you are on there, which person are you? Uh, I don't – so I was just curious. And, um, so – Hopefully, next email you can answer that because it's kind of driving me crazy because I thought for sure you were on there, but I can't find him. So here is what Anthony had to say. He said, hey there again, Ms. Suna. Sending an email for the Christmas episode. Just sending you this to say, happy holiday." Happy holidays and New Year's. That's all. Just kidding. And he's got a lot of smiley faces, so it's kind of funny. He said I had to do it since you mentioned it during the Turtles Forever episode that I would become the epic emailer. I decided to tease a potential short email, but wasn't going to go, uh, wasn't going to actually go uh, through that so wasn't going to actually go through that yeah sorry I can't read today so I uh, said it previously that while gremlin gremlins isn't the textbook holiday movie it's one of those you can watch in not only on the holiday but anytime most of the gremlins that a- a- attention was placed on not just gizmo and stripe were different it would have been so easy just to rehash the same action and even the actual puppet multiplied times but they went uh, one step further and giving us something else to to, uh, enjoy which very good point this is true each of the gremlins had their own personality and there was multiple ones so it was very cool to see the fact that they had their own personality. Now, he says, "...haven't seen the movie straight through in quite some time, but when I think back, I can remember some good stuff. Sadly, I also remember the monologue that the uh, Kate's character had in the bank about when her father died while Justice Santa. Seriously, was that really needed?" You know, sir, yes and no. I mean, I get your point. Uh, Some people think it slows the film down. Other people, like myself, think that it's good to have it because it gives you the background on Kate, especially for the fact that they make fun of it in Part 2 because the fans got mad. I see you're one of the majority that think that it didn't need to be there. Um, But, you know, again, it doesn't. to me, I don't think it slows the film down. I think it needed to be there, and uh, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with it. So uh, he said, excuse me. Like I said, guys, I'm trying to fight a cold there, so I apologize. He said, at least when they did the sequel, a small joke was made where a similar monologue was going to happen. But it was interrupted before one actually happened. Uh, I would rate Gremlins a 4 out of 5, and it's just a fun movie to watch, Christmas or not. He said, again, I have some movie series suggestions, and those are movie series Ghostbusters. This is true, sir. I am going to do that series. That is high on the list. I may actually go a little step further and review Ghostbusters the video game because in my mind, Ghostbusters the video game is Ghostbusters 3. But uh, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. And the single movie Stripes. Uh, I've only seen it once. I remember good things. So I will add that to the list, sir. And he says, Ending my email in hope that I was able to continue with the epic emailer. uh, Moniker that I was given again. Have a happy holiday, new year. Uh, until next time, see ya. P.S. I sent a picture to you that will be attached to email. If it didn't go through, don't worry about it. All it was was a little funny picture. Uh, just to give you guys a heads up what this is, it's essentially a, like a Batman picture instead of a Bat-signal. We have uh, EE for Epic Emailer and call, call me whenever you need Epic Email. Uh, I absolutely love that, sir. I thought that was hilarious. Thanks for going on your time to make some uh, funny uh you know a funny picture like that it was really cool I really enjoyed it so that is it Uh, you know emails obviously not as big uh, as we normally have but uh, again I'm getting a lot of emails especially from uh, Sebastian and John uh, on the music stuff so if you want to write in and be a part of the STL Nation feel free at uh, sweepdelaypodcast yahoo.com if you want to follow on Twitter it's STL Podcast uh, also on the Facebook page easy to find us just type in www.facebook.com slash and there you go and uh, I also have a special announcement to make in regards to the new podcast which I will uh, I will get into that uh, uh, in a little bit but um, before I go ahead and uh, and do that let's go ahead and get into the uh, the music spotlight
1: here comes the ready and now here comes the boys from the sound here comes the you're not-
2: Hope you like that little intro there. Um, That is going to be the new intro for when I play a spotlight song because you know what, Uh, I love that song. Boom, one of my favorite POD songs. But it's kind of fitting because it's kind of uh, it's an exciting time, new music, and I try to give you some rock and music that you're going to dig. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of fitting that that's going to be the intro song or the intro little segment. To whenever the spot, the music spotlight comes. So here's the deal with the music spotlight. And by the way, the news in regards to the new podcast. Um, I know I said that this week, the uh, the information would be sent to you. But here's the thing: uh, there's been. Um, it's been kind of busy so to get the information out to you i've had to wait a few days which when the information comes out it's going to make perfect sense to you so i have actually saved that after that information will come to you after the spotlight song so stick around listen to the spotlight song and then after that you'll hear the news on the new podcast so uh and If you don't get any news after the Spotlight song, that means that I wasn't actually able to release the information just yet. But uh, we'll be coming to you, if not later tonight, after the episode is posted, we'll be coming to you tomorrow. As I said, it's kind of a secretive project that I'm working on uh, that I, I can only give... The information I'm giving you now, I have to be very vague. But when it comes out, everything will make perfect sense on why I did what I did. So uh, stick around after the Spotlight song for the news. And if it's not there, you'll get the news on Facebook. So that's it. Now, let's get into the Spotlight song. Here's the deal. Um, This song, as I said, uh, my list for 2011 with music, I have all my favorite Top 10 songs of 2011 Number 1 came out in 2011 So it stayed at number 1 uh, For about a good 3 months now It it took the ranks over part of my number two song that I had there for quite a while. Now, this song uh, I've loved for a while now. And I would say would be my favorite song of the year. However, it came out in 2010. So it's a little taste of what you're going to get on the next episode. And uh, this song is, uh, I would say, I just reviewed the album today on Facebook. I said, if you take Bon Jovi, Evanescence, and Skillet, and they had a baby. This is the band you get. The name of the band is called The Letter Black. And it's a rock band that has a a wife and a husband duo. And it's really cool for me because the drummer uh, is actually the new drummer for my favorite band, Pillar. And the lead singer, the girl, is actually sang on a song with Pillar before. Uh, The name of the song is called Hanging by a Thread. Now here's the thing. My uh, nine-year-old just recently heard this song and she loved it so much that she she actually played it four times in a row and she said, Dad, if you ever make this your spotlight song on your show, this would easily kill all the songs you've ever had. Now last week, I thought that my last song was pretty hot as John the Mailman would say. I'm going to let you be the judge of this song Uh, again this is my favorite song of the year I've listened to it hundreds of times Uh, I've loved it every time I listen to it it always sounds new to me I love the music video which I will post the music video in just a couple days on the Facebook page for you to check out but uh, hanging by a thread you can tell from the title what the song is going to be about Uh, again it's a very cool rock song uh, very awesome chorus I love this song, and if I could, I'd make it my number one song of 2011, but because it came out in 2010, um, I'm not going to. Now, I just reviewed the album. It's by far the... I just recently picked it up. It's the best album I've heard all year. Every song is really good. There's uh, I say Bon Jovi that I compare her to because it's got a lot of good ballads, but the ballads are kind of rocking. Really good stuff. Uh, I would say... It's a non-skippable album where you don't skip any tracks. And the only two songs that I found that were kind of weak, they're only weak compared to the other songs that I've listened to on the album. But on another album, they would be considered like five-star songs, if you know what I'm saying. So the name of this song is called Hanging by a Thread. It's by the band The Letter Black. Uh, Very good band. Um, They've just recently got off tour uh, with Skillet. Their uh, producer is Howard Benson, who's worked with like, Uh, You know, P.O.D., Pillar, uh, Disciple, um, Metallica, a a lot of different bands out there. So, really good song. I really dig it. And uh, that's going to be it, guys, for the Christmas episode. I hope you dug it. Uh, I had a really good time. And uh, next Christmas will be, hopefully, even better. So, I won't be here next week. Uh, Next week, I'm going to be recording... Uh, my first episode on the new podcast, so expect to see that, but I'm going to be coming back uh, after Christmas. The date planned is going to be on the 27th, so that'll give you plenty of time to figure out what movies you uh, gather your top 10 favorite movies, your top 10 favorite songs, and go ahead and... And send that my way to yahoo.com and let's make the end of the year celebration the uh, one of the best episodes ever. So that's it, guys. You guys take care. This is Masuna South.